And if they're at all happy where they are and what they've become, from selling out to doubling down, let's talk punk rock business and what happens when the two get all mixed up. Here is your host, Bill Florio. Hey, this is Bill Florio. Yo, this is MC Charlie Boswell. Hey, it's Dave Harrison. We got Adam Gorin, known as Adam in this package today, who is another school teacher, high school science. Quack, quack. <laughs> I feel like every time we... Every time we were set up to speak to a teacher, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, we've done so many teachers already. But I feel like it's an entirely different episode every time. Like, it's an entirely different approach. Different it's subject. an entirely different... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a different subject, too. I mean, this is the first uh, uh, science teacher. teacher. Yeah. And he wasn't even one of these art teachers that they made teach physics, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go there. Like, you know, oh, you teach at a private school. They make you, like, mop up after two. <laughs> Do you teach Latin as well? <laughs> I feel like Adam, I like to promote people in like silly bands no matter what. So, you know, we've had those we've things had that you the buy gamut. with the little shapes and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> silly bands. <laughs> I, got some I believe there. Greg from Go Kart Records made a fortune on those. <laughs> he must have been at the story. right time. It only lasted you know like six months. What's surprising is how well the Adam and his package stuff holds up. I mean, it's super catchy. It's super fun. Maybe it's that moment in time aspect for me, in addition to like the songs being catchy as hell. But I mean, I feel like, I feel like Adam definitely had that pop sensibility down. And like, I, I feel like no matter what format it was, he probably could have made a, a, a more traditional go at it if he wanted to, when it came to music, but it sounds like that's uh, something he burned out on and really uh, you got to respect the fact that he was like, I just decided I didn't want to do that. And it sounds like even, you know, nearly 20 years later, he still doesn't want to do it. Yeah, that's fine. I feel like we grilled the hell out of him to try to figure out <laughs> like how he thinks and things like that. I think we did get to it though. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Pretty self-deprecating, but I would imagine he's a really good teacher. And I think if you're ready for this, which Dave wasn't like, you know, I think there's a lot to get out of teaching. I have a lot of respect for teachers, regardless of where they teach or who they teach, as long as it's not Scott Bivin. Let's <laughs> <laughs> roll the tape. All right, Adam. So we always start this out with you introducing yourself and explaining to everyone what you do for a living. Okay. See, it's so I'm so used to teaching, you know, when I've taught virtually through getting some sort of like the body language communication. So I didn't know if there was more or if I should just start and say hi. <laughs> that was, that Did was you, you follow no. instructions? <laughs> 
All right, here I go. You ready? <laughs> yes. Your assignments are posted. Just do them. <laughs> My name is Adam Gorin, and I teach high school science stuff. All right. <laughs> what, what subject? I teach uh, physics and chemistry. Uh, physics and chemistry. Yes. Do they still have like? Chemistry. Do they still like put the remedial kids and they make them do earth science? Do they still do that? Uh, well, I, I don't. I don't. I guess it's different to different places. But um, we. I think that's that they have. They that. still do that here. They didn't let me take physics. They let me take chemistry, and then they realized that the math part wasn't too uh, strong, and then they were like, "No physics for you." Physics is so fun. I'm obviously do you like, do a little you like, biased. Do you- do you like Newtonian physics or modern physics? I love both of them. Both are fun. I think that Newton Newtonian physics stuff is awesome because you can really get the kids to do stuff. I love chemistry too, but it's much it's much harder to make like to like kind of like set the kids loose and be like, go figure out the law of multiple proportions. Come on. It only took a couple hundred years for other people to do it. And like in physics, you can be like, go, go do this and they can go and actually do it. And it's a lot easier to make like fun and have hooks. in it. I think. Yeah. Until these like modern physics had to screw everything up. Yeah, no, but that stuff's awesome too. Cause it's totally mind blowing. In the well, I mean like the special relativity, I can understand cause you get some like good science fiction out of that, but yeah. But this other crap, you know, this, everything's changing and everything. I didn't know Charlie <laughs> a, was going to come with such strong opinions, but I guess I'm not surprised. I feel like I'm seeing a bond here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Adam, so it sounds like you're a really good opponent of, like, learning science and getting kids excited about it. Are you still excited about it, or, or are you just putting on an act? No, I, I, I mean, I really do... Now, when you say excited, excited about the teaching of it or excited about science or both, both or either, I would which say one at May 17th on the end of a really, really uh, exhausting year, I'd say maybe I'm more exhausted than excited for, for these next couple weeks of teaching. But um, I do I think I do genuinely uh, like doing it and I do feel strongly and excited about it. I mean, it really is fun. Like it's it's like I said, like I'm biased, but I genuinely like you know, almost all of the kids I've taught and um, it really is fun. Like I do find the material and the content fun and I find them that are both are of uh, the subjects I teach are really good vehicles for getting kids to think, um, hopefully. But yeah, yeah, no. Well, chemistry is not an exact science. In, well, nothing is exact if we want to get really nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a long pause. As, no. <laughs> I was waiting for Charlie to have a rebuttal there. <laughs> Maxwell's equations are valid in Newtonian and modern physics. Yeah, I guess there's uncertainty there, though. So uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah, let's go, about let's this. go back. Let's go. Yeah, oh. let's, let's 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 go back to so, you know. Let's go back to college. No, 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 because it's all it's all throughout. Let's We're go back to college. There. We don't need to ask. We don't need to talk about equations. So you have a BA in neuroscience. Is that right? All you need to know is F equals MA anyway. <laughs> you can derive P- everything else from there. I thought P equaled MA. Is that a positive mental Getting our jokes is science itself. <laughs> That's from the HR squared principle. <laughs> So when you went to college, you get your BA, what was your original plan? You know, I think I honestly didn't. I, I don't think that I knew that I liked to learn until I was 
way beyond done college. Um, I think I was probably like 27 before I was like, oh, I actually like learning stuff. And so I went to a high school, kind of like a college prep type school. And I think that I, like probably a lot of kids who still go to schools like that, kind of look at like getting into college is like the ultimate goal. And, you know, from like the perspective of an adult, uh, as an adult, it's really easy to just be like, what? That's idiotic. Like point of college is not to get into college. But I think that it probably would have been really hard to convince me of that at uh, at that age. And at that time, I think that just like, I just, I just think that there were probably too many cues pointing pe- us in that way. Um, and so I, I think I took, I think when I went to college, I think I did think that, you know, brain, I always liked the kind of science or I, I think that I was good-ish at it. So I think that that's probably more than anything what kind of pointed me in that direction of neuroscience and behavior. And it was interesting. And I'm sure now it is anything I learned is like completely obsolete and probably rudimentary in in, uh, what's in that field now. But I remember feeling like I'd worked hard to get into college. And I, I honest, and this sounds like it's made up and it's always so embarrassing but like i remember looking through the course catalog and for some reason the school i went to the classics major everything was pass fail and i remember like thinking about that be like oh maybe i should major in that and there could not be anything i'm less interested in than that and i remember like almost thinking like oh i guess i should major in that because i won't won't have to work that hard um (laughs) so dumb and so wait you worked all through high school and then when you got to college you're like oh maybe i'll take the easiest stuff yeah totally 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 stupid and i didn't take the i didn't end up doing that thankfully i mean i took you know i took courses and I, I but i think that if i had gone to college at 27 years old it would have been probably more uncomfortable for my roommate in the first person <laughs> year but like but i think it probably would have been a better deal educationally and um more productive so there's a maturity level it sounds like there's and, a and lack of maturity level or whatever i mean i mean so so how do you how do you apply this to your high school students and and what is what is your high school shooting for is it a college prep it is it is a college prep school and i think that there is that probably just in culture in in the culture in which i teach i think that there's probably a component of that but i do feel like i don't know i try and I mean, it sounds so, this sounds so corny. It sounds like this is like an educational, like uh, trifold thing. But like talking about like you know that any way that I can kind of communicate that like learning is kind of the the point, and that that any ways that I can make that fun and interesting because I think that people a lot of the time do just like to learn and figure things out, and I think that I think that that it it may take. A little bit to kind of undo the expectation of oh school is going to be horrible that i that i that i you know i guess i try and sort of like uh i don't know what the verb is but i verb that <laughs> do you feel like you're putting on a show and is it similar to like putting on a show um i think in some ways yeah and i think there's some aspects of it that i that i kind of like about that in but also i think in the way of that to make it fun, I kind of have to entertain myself as well. I mean, I'm thinking of things in my head, like there's, there are a couple classes, like I've had, you know, I've taught, this is my 17th year, I guess, teaching. And so I've had some classes where the 
the children just like do not answer the rhetorical questions of like, yeah, and now, or does that make sense? And just like nothing. So I always feel like those classes kind of make me weirder. And I, I think I do things to entertain myself and to make me laugh in those cases. So I think that there is like a performance aspect to it. I mean, like, I think that, you know, there's also like a little bit of a bait and switch aspect to it in terms of like finding those hooks that because I think that like whatever they're adolescents are coming from different places there are some kids who could teach themselves everything and are interested in everything and then there, I think that there are some who who that's probably under the surface but like whatever at eight o'clock in the morning an adolescent doesn't really even want to be awake so um you know I think that there I think that there are ways that the performance sort of aspect of it can be helpful in creating a good, fun culture. But hopefully, you know, I guess I try and sort of like structure the class culture, um, you know, which has been really weird this year to do this um, to so that it, it finds that balance of like, OK, this is fun. OK, but let's, you know, let's work that because, you know, learning stuff and learning hard things is not always the most comfortable. So I think that, uh you know, trying to find that kind of balance of like having high expectations and expecting, you know, hard work to do things that are hard. Um, but also it should hopefully be fun, too. Do you think that your experience playing shows had an effect on your ability to to deal with a classroom and keep their interest and do all those things? I mean, were you, you know, growing up, were you naturally an extrovert or was it something that was kind of learned through playing shows? I would say first, it, it's probably really presumptuous for me to even think that my classes are engaged. I mean, like to think that the, my classes are engaging and that the kids are like, oh, I can't <laughs> wait here I am. I've reached. So, the it's, it's like it's like playing Bethlehem, Bethlehem Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pictures from that stuff. <laughs> we have less toilet duck in the class, <laughs> so I don't know how successful it is. So I can't say like, oh, it it works. But I think that there are components of it that 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 sort of resonate as that they are similar. And I would think that I think that maybe something that did help in terms of the performing and playing shows kind of sharpening your sort of smarty pants, like wit maybe. Um, and again, I, I don't mean to imply that mine's really all that sharp, but like, I think that like when you're dealing with adolescents, like it's, you know, something that I like working with them. I, I do like sort of the cyclical nature of it being like, okay, I didn't teach perfectly. It's, and that's never going to happen. But each time I do feel like I'm still getting better at it. And I, I like the sort of like turnover of like meeting a new sort of crop of kids who don't know all my dumb jokes and all that kind of stuff. And I think, well, I don't even remember. You're that. implying that you always use the same jokes. <laughs> Definitely. There's so many good jokes. Um, Setlist hasn't changed in years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and but it's really kind of funny because I think that that's probably one of the reasons why I stopped do like playing shows that I kind of felt like 
there there got it got to be a time and maybe I just played too much where there was a stretch where I was like I felt like I had already sort of like been able to explain the songs and I felt like that was kind of an important component of whatever it was and I think that there was a time where I felt like I could almost do it like automatically and then think about other stuff while I was giving the sort of like introduction to whatever song and I think that that at that part it felt it started to feel like disingenuous and it just felt like like I wasn't that's it's the a trap tra- you got into yeah it's, it's if like, you can't it, explain the song with just the title you said too much right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true I always assumed that you needed that time to set up the next song like like you There's like no, were no, talking because you it were wasn't like setting on a timer every- you yeah. had it there wasn't any pedal like to to press to like next there was song. a button that no, it was definitely not out of start. It was out of feeling like I don't know who like I, I don't know. I guess it just felt at the time like that was part of it that the songs like worked to whatever degree they worked because of some sort of like introduction about what they meant. Um, and so so I it, so I think it's kind of interesting that like that was one of the reasons why I stopped. But yeah, I definitely have like you know a whole slew of like stupid jokes that may not be as predictable because I think that the different um, situations are different. You know, it's like, I I don't have like a set list of stoichiometry set list, but like, I think that there, that, that there, that there are different components of, I just think that, that there are probably some similarities there. Um, But I do find it interesting that I guess there's enough variation that even doing it year after year after year and still feeling like it's proving and that there are new things to try that feels good and I guess better than like I'm just saying the same thing every night. Well, I always felt like I mean, I was just, you know, obviously um in doing research for 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 this interview and and also kind of going back and, and listening to stuff, especially the last show album, it almost seems like teaching would be the next natural transition there anyway, because the way that you're explaining things, you even recap things like a teacher when you're like, all right, so you know, we like the metric system. We hate, you know, we hate this. We like that, you know, and it's like, it's, it, and it's, it, it almost seemed like maybe you needed more of a challenge and there were too many people clapping. So you needed to go to something where it was like, let me really try and tackle this abyss of disinterest and boredom that I would deal with with high school kids. There's, there's definitely less clapping. Um, there is, <laughs> but yet at the same time, at the end of each class, there are tears streaming down the children's faces as they have recognized how much they have learned and their life is enriched. Are you sure it wasn't just the chem- the chemicals exploded? Yeah, that helps. That helps. <laughs> I like to interpret it a different way. <laughs> Citric acid. <laughs> so, so at what point did you decide that you were going to teach? I mean, were you was were were you already doing Adam's package at that point? So, actually, I got certified to teach high school kind of just as I was starting, but not like as I was just like, like as I probably was introduced to the sequencer. So this was a couple of years before um, I was sort of doing Adam and his package full on and traveling a lot. Um, what did you have to do to get certified? I did a year program um, and it had like seven months of student teaching and then um, a handful of mostly useless classes um 
Does anyone and not say that? Who's a teacher? <laughs> Does anyone say that 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 certification is useful? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that is. That is that seem to but you good. already you already had your bachelor's degree. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so this you, was a year of. So of the requirement was you had to have your bachelor's degree, and then you went to this program to get a teacher certification. I got a teacher certificate. It was like a year uh, master's of science in education um, program and certification. So you, you went, okay, you, you got certified by going to an education. Yeah. Master. Okay, I see. Yeah. Problem. I thought uh, maybe you had a degree in physics and then you got a certification to teach. No, yeah, no. I, I So the undergrad stuff was in neuroscience and behavior, but then, yeah, the, the graduate program. And it was really, I actually... The student teaching, I mean, I think that the student teaching was really, that's where you learn how to be less terrible of a teacher. And, but I did it for a year, um, or sorry, seven months at the school. And it was, it was a, it was a really hard kind of, it was really kind of like defeating experience. It was um, a school that's since been closed in Philadelphia. And it was really depressing. It was like all like the. Was it private or public? It was a public school. Um, Didn't the whole district get taken over by like Edison? They tried to like privatize the public school system in Philly, right? Yeah. um, And I mean, and this was one of the schools that was closed because it just like didn't meet, you know, whatever standards they had. But it was just, it was so, it was, it was just a really. Did you teach physics there? uh, I taught chemistry and biology there. And, you know, it sounds so like. I don't know. So much of what <laughs> I think my life is sounds like privileged and babyish, but like, <laughs> you know, it was it was a really hard. No, this sounds up. hard. I'll just say from from my experience, knowing people who taught in Philly, this sounds very hard. And it, and, and it <laughs> it's was. not just you. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and but I mean, it was it was hard for different reasons than I had anticipated it being hard. I think it was hardest because it was it was defeating. It was like the. Kids, like they were like, I think I went into it with a preconception of like, oh, it's going to be tough city school and like whatever. They were kids and like they, you know, which is not surprising, but like they were like there were so many like smart, talented kids there. And like there was so they had been so shafted, like they had received such you know, aid more, education. Yeah. And, and yeah. And it was it was just really That's a crime. It is. It, it really, really. And, you know, I think that there were obviously some like there were ugh, it was it was just it was really sad. And it was just like sad. It just felt like, oh, my gosh, there's nothing. Um, and I know, again, like that too late at that point by high school. Yeah, I think teaching, you know, 11th and 12th graders and 10th graders that it, it did feel like that. It was like and I and I think that it, by the end of it, I know that's the part where it just feels like, ugh, this sounds so horrible even saying this. Like after seven months, I was like, ooh, that was too depressing. I can't do that. It's not in my DNA. And it's just like oh, seven months. Oh, how about like living like that as your experience and that that is your education, you know? So it sounds, it sounds very like, I don't know, just gross to like say, but it was the truth. Like I, I was not cut out for it after those seven months. I was like, I do not ever want to teach. Um, and so I just started playing shows. I think I set up a tour for a friend's band um, and I went along with them and I played a couple songs like before they would like while they were setting up or whatever. And then I think when I got back, I just like set up a couple shows and somehow it kind of worked from there. 
there. So it was not like, I, I think that I probably went to teacher school. I think that's what they call it. Probably more out of just like, a, uh, I don't know, maybe I would like teaching. And then student teaching was like, no, you will not like teaching. But then later it worked out. When you started Adventist Package, then you were you were going nonstop. That's what it sounds like. You were just like you went from zero to 100. Like, I'm going to tour all the time and I'm going to make this work. Does that sound right? I, I would say like there wasn't the drive to like, I'm going to make this work. I, I, I need to do something. But I, th- <laughs> I think that like I really loved doing it and it was really, really, really fun for a really long time. And so I think that I also tend to be a pretty compulsive person about like, if I have stuff on my to-do list, it's hard for me not to do stuff on my to-do list. So like, I think in terms of like setting up shows and be like, it was very just sort of natural for me, just in my personality type to just be like, okay, I'm going to set up the show. I'm going to set, keep setting up shows and keep setting up shows and playing them. And okay, here's what I have to do. And here, you know, so I think that it, it, it just, I got lucky, but I also, I think was pretty motivated to do it. I don't think that I was like dedicated to like, I am going to make No, 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 I didn't apply that. I mean, but you were, so you were alone though. When you would go on tour, you just go by yourself most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Um, sometimes I would, you know, kind of like. I think at the beginning, I had tagged along with my friends who were who played in a band called Franklin for a long time. I think occasionally I could talk a friend into coming with me, um, and I did do a couple tours like with other bands. But yeah, I, the majority of it was <laughs> me driving around in a car. <laughs> I just think that's unique. You know, there's not too many people just doing it by themselves yeah i mean are you are you that type of person that likes to be by themselves i you know what it's actually funny because I, I think and i couldn't really tell who uh had the grayish yellow rectangle uh highlighted around them <laughs> but when someone said like are were you always extra and like i actually feel very introverted like i i don't feel um I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind being alone. I think that at this point, like I have, um, we have kids who are 15 and 17 now. Um, and so it's, it's been a long time since I've had like time where I am alone, but I, I don't think I mind being alone. I think that it, it sort of like, I'm probably out of practice uh, at it at this point. Um, I think that, let's see, how... how I was just trying to get if you were, if you had too much of being alone. No, I don't think that was... (laughs) Okay, it's not not possible. (laughs) Yeah, but what happens when you get to a show? Do you have to, like, make friends with the people there right away? So, first, I am, as I said, like, compulsively... (laughs) So it was on your to-do list to make friends with people, and that was... No, no, but I'm incredibly (laughs) early. So I would be in places... Like hours and hours before, like, I don't know, before like the place would be anywhere, even approaching anybody getting there. And so I would usually just like either find record shops to go into, um, definitely try and find like a burrito place or uh, some Indian food in. And I, I would say, I think that if that I know correlation is not causation, but I feel 
Like it seemed like an inordinate amount of places where I would eat shows that there would be like an Indian food restaurant that uh, would like be somehow like reveal itself right around that place. Like in almost every place I went. It's so funny you say that because I my thing when going to a new city is to ask where the best burrito place is. And it's usually where the where the record stores are. That's always been a thing where, you know, I travel a lot for work. And if I have free time, I'll go record shopping. And I usually feel like where the best burrito place is, is usually like the quote unquote hip neighborhood. Well, mm. maybe record collectors just like burritos. <laughs> it's, it's quite possible. <laughs> I mean, I've seen them. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have so many more records if I didn't pay for all those burritos. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that I would get to places early, but I also would be totally fine. Like, and, and this, this too, I think like maybe I've come off, like kind of antisocial maybe like i would sit and do crossword puzzles and like kind of like just like sit with the records and t-shirts and you know like after you've been to your like 500 billionth show sitting through bands that you may not have necessarily chosen to see can be um i don't know everyone can relate to that yeah Yeah. especially (laughs) the years you were playing i mean there were some (laughs) shit bands out at that time (laughs) Okay. Um, okay. So at some point, though, you had you gave it up, and you had a bad experience with teaching, and you went back to it. How did that happen? So I think what ended up happening was when I gave up playing music. I I think that for so there had been there was a quite a week um, in my life where within a week I was diagnosed with type one diabetes, wife pregnant, um, and I was about to leave on. Uh, like a, I think like a four week European tour um, without having any idea of, and I think back to it now, but like having any idea of like what, what the mechanisms behind diabetes were and how to, how to control it or do anything. Or, so, or get help in multiple countries. Yeah. Collapse at some Indian restaurant in Germany. <laughs> if you're lucky. Well, I mean, there was like a, a squat that I stayed in, in Lyon, France that like, <laughs> it could have been very, very ugly. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, like drenched in sweat because I thought, I thought that when, so back in the, that those times, and this may be way more information than anyone cares to, in which case I am. No, I want to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I think we all want to hear this. So like, so essentially like how diabetes works, if the quick thing is if you have type one diabetes, your body doesn't make insulin. Insulin is what allows your cells to use up sugar, basically like use food for energy. So if you don't make insulin, the sugar doesn't get into your cells, so you can't do stuff with it. And that's why like when, so whatever. So you get this really high blood sugar level in your blood, which can have all sorts of long complications um, if it's uh, untreated. So um, when you eat, you have to take insulin and you have to sort of like essentially kind of figure out how much. So like for a particular meal, it might require bleh, seven units of insulin. Whereas, you know, a meal with uh, something else, it might take, you know, 15 units or whatever. So, so it's, it's math with needles. Yes, exactly. I would say that and my, my compulsion and also capacity to eat like the same thing every day forever Um made me really good at being diabetes. Um, so I, I think at that, so at that point they, they had like these little insulin pen needles. They were kind of like, you'd screw a needle onto it and you dial up on like the edge of it. It was kind of like, kind of looked like a, you know, a 
a clicky clicky pen and um so you dial it up and then you stick it in your belly and press it down to give yourself the right dose and for me the first like and I, I had no idea what i was doing and so i thought dialing it because when you pressed it down it would make the dial turn back to zero so i thought instead of it being this awkward thing where i'm trying to like press like this thing while i'm holding it in my belly i was like oh it's much easier if i just turn it back to zero and so but apparently when you uh you know <laughs> dial it and then don't apply the pressure to push it and you're just dialing it back to zero you're not injecting any of it so i checked my blood sugar like you know whatever later and it was like eight billion or something and i was like oh uh-oh, I guess that didn't work. So then I took like way too much insulin to try and bring down the blood sugar. And I remember waking up at like, you know, whatever o'clock in the morning in this like squat and just like drenched in sweat because if you take too much insulin, it brings your blood sugar down way too low. And in fact, you, you know, you need some sugar in there to do things. So, so, so you're like, I need to do something else with my life. <laughs> I think that I was just like, I, I mean, this, is glad, the, this is the, this is the moment I, I'm catching this. I'm, I'm glad in retrospect that I did go on the trip just cause I felt like it was probably good in the long run for me to do things and feel like, Oh, I can do, I can do stuff. And, and I, I really can. And so I think that in retrospect, but yeah, during that trip and just like, and I think by the end of that trip, I had also like just the things that I was talking about before where it felt like, you know what? Uh, I, I just, I feel, it just felt like gross. Like just saying the same thing every night, just like the, I, the songs weren't even songs anymore. I'd heard them so many times. Um, and so it was time to stop. I thought um, you were going to yeah. say that there were, that the, Squat and Leon France had a dialysis machine. <laughs> and I was like, look at that healthcare. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> Europe. <laughs> Every youth center has a has a dialysis machine. <laughs> Which actually just so just to be clear, I don't need dialysis. Right, right, no, you know, I, I, I understand that. <laughs> Um, so I think like by the end of that tour, I was like, okay, that, that, so I also needed like some, something with health insurance. I think at that point I was still like kind of, uh, on my parents' plan, I was probably like 26 at that time, probably nearing the end. I don't even know if at that point, I don't even know. I, I think I was so, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know so, adultish type so there, thing. So there so. was one thing you were certified to do when you got back. Does that sound yes, right? there was something I was certified <laughs> to do, and they had health insurance there, so I ended up doing it. Um, and but I, but I I mean surprisingly I lucked into it because I I think I did really like it. Like I think it, I think it's kind of fun. I think especially it got more and more fun as I got better at it and was able to see kind of the interconnectedness of it all. That like it really all does come back to physics that like, and I think that like being able to describe everything in the universe and what everything can do to everything else in the universe is in just sort of like the language of math can be, can be interesting and it can be neat. So there was an action and a reaction. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as far as I'm going to go in science talk. I'll leave the rest to Charlie. <laughs> All right. So, so the school you originally got a job at was a private school. So like, what was your experience there and why did you end up 
going somewhere else. So um, I taught there. That was actually the school that I went to high school at. Ah. So it was actually, I think it was like in May. Um, which so did like one of your teachers, the, uh, like former teachers hire you? She was not the department chair, but she was sort of like the chemistry teacher who had taught me. And she was kind of like the most senior teacher in the science department. Um, so, so yes. I'm sure that, so yeah. <laughs> So, Bill, I am completely unqualified, and um, I am so sorry to be found out. At this point. Um, <laughs> no, you could have been the best student in the school. That you know, like there's that, that's uh, yes, sorry, I was that. No. You're not saying that she snuck you in the back door. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, uh, so, but it was actually awesome because she was a terrific terrific like amazing teacher and became a really good friend like was a really amazing woman and um just like yeah so so that was great so i taught there for five years and teaching chemistry and physics and i'd say that like it was really great for a really long time um for those you know probably three and a half of those years wait, and wait, then, wait, no. i just want to go to punk rock academy here so you went back to your high school i know i know <laughs> isn't that it weird, made, <laughs> it's totally weird. And, and if you had told me when and I was, your song is like, about like how you hated your high school <laughs> oh, i know like i definitely and this was at a time you know before uh you know uh i think that I guess it was a time where one could get away with this. I am pretty sure that at some point I got like a request for, you know, like contributing to whatever fund for the the school as an alum uh, when, and I'm, I'm almost positive that I wrote back and was like, I am more likely to set fire to your institution <laughs> than to give it money. Like, so, whoops, that, you was, know, that was my... That person I just wrote to is across the lunchroom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but that, so that, that um, it, so if you had told me in high school that I would end up like voluntarily being in a high school, that probably would have seemed absurd. If you had told me that it was at the same place, that would have been even more <laughs> absurd. And the fact that I would, that I would end up liking it is, is ridiculous. Now the, the place, the school had become a lot more progressive than when I was a student there. I was, it was very much, I was in the first uh, co-ed class um, at that school. And I, it was very much like boys club kind of uh, garbage um, when I was there as a student. And I think that it did move to become a, uh, so they, so they had very few girls when you went, and then they had more girls now. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're. I think you're justifying it, though, Adam. I really think. Uh, I, I really think it's kind of like when you're you start singing along to the songs at the supermarket, and you're like, "I've changed." <laughs> I think there's definitely a moment where you probably grew up and realized <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, like growing up is totally okay too. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, no, I honestly do think that though that like it it did become a more progressive place, like for sure. Um, and that that did, you know, sure, I grew up and, you know, and I also think that like as a teacher, the the relationship that you have with the student, like to me, I really do feel like I like 99.9% of the kids that I've taught. There is no way that I would like 99% of people in any large group 
Like that's just not possible. And I do think that like <laughs> the kids, I think that the kids, you know, that when you're a teacher, it's a different experience. I'm not really seeing how the kids treat each other. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that they are good enough at like, you know, playing the game of like, oh, there's an adult. I will, you know, here's my outward facing <laughs> thing. And, you know, so like, so I think that, yeah, and there, I think that there are all sorts of things that would contribute to me finding it palatable to be in uh, in that place. And this is the same school that the kids and TV's Goldbergs go to. Oh, that, my <laughs> sister was in the in a class with uh, Adam Goldberg. Wait, they actually film it at the school. Wait, now I'm confused because I thought it was yeah, just no, like I don't, no, fictionally he doesn't film it at the real school. school. At the real school, yeah. At something um, ten charter schools. What is charter schools? Yep. yep. And not it's not a it's not a charter school, but it was chartered by William Penn. Yes, he made the charter for the school back when. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You know a lot of information about that. I know a lot about everything. That's right. That's why Charlie's here. Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah. So my sister was in his class, and actually, uh, there was like she was in William Penn's class. (laughs) No, no, she's not that old and wise. Um, but she. She, I think that at some point, like she had given Adam Goldberg a video from like when, like some musical in like seventh grade. So she's actually featured at the end. I've only seen like an episode the of the end show. Is the best part. Charlie has so seen them all. The I'm sure. <laughs> the, the end's the best. Part. So, well, so I haven't seen them, but apparently my sister is at the end of one of those in a video from seventh grade. It's, it's quite incredible the amount of video this guy has. Yeah, I, I think he was. Uh, he was. Uh, he had one of those. <laughs> but everything that happens on the show at the end, he has a video of what happened. Okay. Yeah. Like Got basically, it. whatever the theme is, there's something that he has that. Relates to it. So he's documenting his life. That is amazing. And that's part Charlie, of the show. you watch more sitcoms than anyone I've ever met. Do you like only have four channels? Yeah, no, I, have, does, I, have, uh, I have four channels on every any station. It's all digital. That's right. He, we, we've done plenty of commercials here for digital antenna service. <laughs> I never <laughs> very good. television. <laughs> what, do, what do all of you do? So we I do actually. do a stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie has a lot of things. I'm an electrical engineer. Oh, yeah? What do you do? Telecommunications. Okay. Specifically microwave radio. Oh, okay. So what do you what do you do in that world? Design systems, cell systems. Charlie's systems. like the Adam and his package of microwave yeah. systems. It's just a one-man <laughs> show. So whatever you need, he's going to do it. Right? You climb, do you like climb up on the tower, Charlie? Sometimes, but not too much. So, Charlie, what what would you say would be the skills that um, would be most helpful in, say, high school physics that, um, you know, are really applicable to um, stuff you do? All, all that wave theory you're teaching there, all the wave theory and the E&M yep. stuff. That's okay. Very much applicable. Is is what's the what's the future in your field though, Charlie? Is that like a good field for someone in high school to go into? I'm not recommending anybody in high school to get into it. I don't need any competition. <laughs> <laughs> so that so so Charlie, that the reason I asked was because I was going to undo that and sabotage them and make up stuff instead of teaching them electricity and magnetism. I gotcha. There's a plot to expand Charlie's business starting at the uh, high school level. (laughs) 
Charlie Charlie also has an internet company and he does and he does political work, right? So he's all over the place. Awesome. Couponsurfer.com free coupons. Okay. All right. So so you, you you did switch schools though. You you switched from your high school to the school you're at now. And so like how how different was it? Do you like it more? I definitely, definitely like it more. I've been there for twelve years. I would say that they're probably not that different in terms of the places that they are. I think that they're both places where um They've both been around for like hundreds of years. <laughs> they've been around for a long time. They're they're both kind of, you know, they're really expensive private schools. Um, but I think that they're both places where the teachers care a lot about the kids. And um and I think that the thing that I like about it is that I've found that the personalities where I am now the collaboration in the science department is really great. It's a really great group of people where I, I felt I felt in some cases at the old place that it was really kind of like competitive, uh, like the ownership of like, I'm the lead dog teacher. And to me, it doesn't feel like that's the case here, that, they're, that people are willing to kind of like share what didn't work for them and people seem you know modest and um there's a there's a lot of leeway that we get to do kind of uh the work that we see fit to make sense for for the kids one of the things that brian told us when we talked to him about you is is that you have a real desire for order and like thing and and like how things should be and that you you sometimes get you know, bothered when things aren't the way that you feel like they should be. I don't know if that's an idealism thing or if it's just a, like an OCD kind of thing. But that yeah, could be also uh, your attraction to science. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Um, I guess I haven't thought about it that much. It's kind of hard to often, I mean, I would say all of those things are totally true. I don't know if it would have necessarily been the way that I would have described myself, but all of those things are true. Um, I do think that yeah, that is probably a component to be uh, that is kind of rigid and likes things uh, the way they are. And yeah, I love solving a problem of a box sliding down a sticky ramp. Like if you have a conflict, right? Like the natural progression is to like resolve it, not like keep it going. I mean, I I I am very conflict averse. Actually, I don't know if we keep that stuff in if that's cool. I, well, I, I mean, I think I think there's something about just let's just talk about conflict itself, right? You said you're conflict averse. You're also in your high school where you faced conflict, <laughs> so there might have been like some kind of gut reaction because of the environment as well. It might, yeah, it, I'm sure it's, it's tons of things. I think my, I think- well, You're the one who took neuroscience, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the neuroscience I learned was is like all, like it. it is, they, there's you know, so much more that, like I, when I learned it, it was like, there's a brain. <laughs> it wasn't like the 1940s, I mean, come on. <laughs> Brain is helpful to to not hurt. <laughs> it's like a schoolhouse rocks episode, and they're like, "Here you go, here's your degree." Yep, <laughs> that was the extent of it. <laughs> well, what, what 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 conflict did you have when you went to high school? Um, were you like bullied by the Jake in Town posse? <laughs> no, I I think that just I, I don't think that the conflict was probably more in high school. I just think that like it, I really don't 
thinking that like like if people are mad at me and I hate I, I feel like I kind of revisit a lot of like I don't know like if someone is uh angry with me you know that that unsettles me and it tends to stick with me a while I think whereas I think a lot of people can be like yeah dude I'm not thinking about that anymore <laughs> you went to a Quaker high school I can't imagine it being the worst experience I don't know it so it, so <laughs> it was it was it is definitely it was at that point Quaker in name. There were some Quaker rituals that were done. I mean, I assume some I, of the culture got stuck in there one way or the other. right? <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, yeah, it was not it was not a place for me at that time. So I want to know about the point one percent of kids you hate. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're bullying Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know. Like, what's a quality in a student that you can't stand? We can talk generally. Uh, I think, you know, it's the same type of thing. Like, mean. I'm not interested in, in cruel people. And it's, the, it's the same reason you would start a band with a drum machine, right? Uh, <laughs> like, who wants to deal with those it, people? <laughs> yeah, that, that, does, that does minimize the chance that you're going to have to deal with that. We've all been in a band with Jim Haas. <laughs> 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 there wasn't any mean people in Armalite. Oh no, those, those that's impossible. Sweetie, those <laughs> sweetie, sweetie, sweetie people. That is an easy that that's an easy group to get into when you haven't been in a band for a while. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, those dudes, I love those dudes. I miss them. <laughs> it's like all the nicest people got together and kind of almost put an effort. <laughs> <laughs> kind of by accident sometimes playing a show. <laughs> is the band still technically together I, I get i mean we never like i think there was one point where jeff was like i'm not playing any more shows unless we write songs and we were like fine <laughs> but um sounds like a lot of yeah, pressure <laughs> we never officially stopped we never officially started either <laughs> I'm going to stop the conversation for one second and tell you, if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help out with some gas money to get us the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com. Now let's get back to the show. Do you still, I mean, I know you've, you've, you've played some one-offs and, and, and done all that. Like, is there ever, does that itch ever come back to be like, you know, I need to go back out and do something like this again? I mean, you got the summer off, right? Um, but I don't, I don't, you know what it was? I think that I, I think I overdid it. I think I played too many shows and I think it broke something in me because I think like I have very, very much not had the itch. The only, I think the only times that I like did it after I was done, like I think I played a, a show at the fest um, or two, maybe two. And, but they were more just like, this would be really fun to see old friends who I haven't seen for a long time. But there wasn't, it wasn't like a, like I need to perform or anything like that. And, and I think honestly, like the performances were fine, and the, but they like that was not the reason why I wanted to do it. And then also the, doing it for the Chris Gethard show, which to me was like such a needed thing at that that point. Like I, it was something that I really wanted to do, not because I wanted to play there, but I kind of just wanted to to be a part of it and so to kind of see what it was like. And it totally was it was it was amazing. It, it was, was your your people. <laughs> 
it was my people. And it was, it was, it, you know, I think that it was like a couple weeks after like the Charlottesville stuff. And it was just, it was, I think it was just like such a discouraging, like. So wait, did you, did you, did you decide to play some shows and then Gethard happened to ask you or did no, Gethard ask you no. and then you decided to play some shows? I don't remember if they had no. anything to do with each other. I, I played. I mean, I played at the fest, but the, they were totally independent. Like I hadn't played in a, you know, forever and had no intentions of it. And and Chris emailed me and I was like, the fest show was with you or is it, you played the fest twice? I fa- played the f- twice. Okay. So still- it was like the year before. And then the second year is we played together. Yeah. Must and then have been. all I remember is they flew us on spirit airline. <laughs> Oh, that's the worst. The worst. <laughs> and I believe the entire theme of the show was like, we just flew Spirit Airlines. We're really angry. <laughs> Rather take the bus. The other thing I was just throwing there is like, Gethard was very excited about you and Weedus. And I didn't know what that was, but it was terrible. <laughs> Wait, is Weedus of Teenage Dirtbag fame? They're from Long Island. No shit. <laughs> I worked at... I worked at Tower Records when that album came out, and I remember they came in to see how many copies we had. <laughs> exactly. We've gone on too far with this. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird segue there. Um, uh, hold on. I have a question. So we just talked about, you know, how you're conflict-averse, generally polite to everyone. You're in the nicest guy in the band. How do you explain Bloodlink Records? <laughs> so I think... <laughs> um, <laughs> That was the worst sound to a question I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, it sounds like I so asked far. the right question. <laughs> I I mean I think that at that point like, I didn't really even know Scott at okay, that point. Okay, so you didn't you didn't know what you were getting into. It was like no, before no, he really and, like spread spread the love. <laughs> fortunately, I, you know, came out of that relatively unscathed. Annoyed, but like, <laughs> you know, I think comparatively I was fine, but like, so anyway, this is a notorious Philadelphia kind of scammer, but you know, like it's, it, there's in a world where it's cool to be a scammer, but he would scam people who shouldn't deserve to be scammed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yep, and yep. Uh, so I had this thing every year. He did this film festival and every year he would email me because he wanted me to play my wedding video outtakes at his film festival. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then one year I was like, okay. And then I, my plan was to make a documentary about him oh. and play that instead. Oh my God. So, I mean, this, this might be a, a really positive thing about the punk scene. Like everyone who said that they would tell their stories chickened out <laughs> when I actually brought the camera over there. Uh-huh. So it didn't happen, but uh, I just, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, yeah, you, you came out unscathed. <laughs> yeah, I came out unscathed, but remember just being like, just everything was just like. A... <laughs> wait, wait, could, could you tell one, just to give the audience an idea of what we're talking about, give one story. It doesn't have to be about you, just one of the one of the many. So I think like when you say he like a scammer. So I think when we were making copies of like the, so for like the first CD, like we had like plastic sleeves and like we're going to Kinko's to, you know, just like photocopy, you know, the folded over cover for it that we put in the, the sleeve. And I remember, so I drove and we were driving. I forget. There was one particular Kinko's where he was able to like, I don't know, scam the machine. I don't know if you remember, there were all sorts of like things you could do to get free copies. There's a lot, a lot of workarounds. 
Yeah. And I was like, okay. I was like, you can do that. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to have any part in it. And I, and he was like, okay, that's fine. You don't have to. I just need a ride. And I was like, all right. Um, but your name is on the record. <laughs> I, but the photocopies were very, very poor quality. So, <laughs> so I remember then like he called me in there and was like, Oh, here, come here, come here. And was like using me to like block a line of sight. And I was just like, dude. And and I remember on the way home, I was like, what the hell? I'm like, we talked about that. I was like, I wanted nothing to do with with that. Like, and I remember him saying, like, well, on one hand, I'm sorry. On the other hand, you do have your CDs for the show that you're playing. And I'm just like, you stink. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot worse stories out there. The story I witnessed. There was, are a few. Yeah, there, there's, there's a maybe few, one there's or a few two that, worse few, ones. Yeah, there's some worse there's, ones than that, if that's possible. There's much worse, much worse. Yes. But, no, but I, I was just kidding. I was yes, just kidding. Yes. That was, uh, but, but the, I, you know, I was in a volunteer run record store and there's a line of people. And he walked in and like the guy at the end of the line is like, hey, I could sell you that record for two dollars cheaper. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, wait, that's not that's not it. So then the guy's like, oh, OK. And then he buys the record. Too. Then he hangs out and like blathers on and talks to this guy who's eating like a cantaloupe. Uh, and he keeps spooning pieces of his cantaloupe out like in front. Like he gets his own. He has his own spoon. He pulls it out of his yeah, bag. He carries his own spoon. He carries his own spoon. And he starts like, hey, what, did he just keep it in his sock or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like eating the cantaloupe. And he whips out the spoon if you can see it. And the guy was like nice enough to like just be like, you're, you're, this is not socially acceptable to like just eat my cantaloupe with it in my hand. Uh, and then the guy left and he fished the cantaloupe skin out of the garbage to like finish off, <laughs> to like scrape it with his teeth. Wow. Well, <laughs> that's just gross. Another layer, another layer of the onion. I didn't know he liked cantaloupe. I didn't know he liked cantaloupe that much. <laughs> So anyway, that's the Dave. That is the one percent of the students. And I think that's okay <laughs> to not like them. You are a our fourth. I think our fourth punk rock teacher. So there must be something between people who supposedly or outwardly even vocally said they hated school that you know then became teachers. And it must be either an idealism to try and make something better and give kids a chance that they didn't have. Or it's a real bad case of masochism, I guess. I think it. I think it's probably the former. In that, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think, like, wait, you were you were saying, like, there's part of me that is incredibly misanthropic, but then there's part of me that maybe really, really wants to love the humans. And you know, I mean, I, I definitely, I get, I think that it does help to kind of be sensitive to kind of the the terrible behavior that people can have and that like and people can do it sort of like subtly and be really cruel to others and especially the more vulnerable kids like so i think that maybe that's part of it and maybe you know but again it's hard for me to like even say like how effective i am at kind of like helping to facilitate a culture where the kids are kinder to each other and kinder to the weirdos and so i don't know i don't know how effective it is but i like this idea adam that you like 99.9 percent .9 of these kids but maybe it's because of the environment that you're fostering in your classes you know i i, I think that's <laughs> I, know, think, I think i think i i'm backing up dave here you're laughing but i think that's no, true I, I think you have that kind of personality i mean i, I remember you know there there was something and I'm going to stroke your ego here a little bit, but I mean, that there's something, there was something about going to your shows back in the day that were so 
inclusive and fun and like it felt like all that shit disappeared like clicks disappeared and all that stuff because everyone was there because they were like kind of goofy and had the same sense of humor and like wanted to have fun and like wanted to well, dance and it sing was also it. like a, there was like an equality there it's like wow everyone's singing along and i'm like but he's singing along <laughs> and i just thought that was so odd but I, it makes sense you know especially like no but i thought you know, Dave. i think I think that's, I mean, it, it was like, you know, and, and we even talked a little bit about this with, with Brian, like, cause I think there's something that even because even the songs that were jokes were serious, you know, there was people you could get behind them and there was like lessons in there, which makes sense to me why you would want to become a teacher, because I feel like a lot of your songs had morals to them for lack of a better term. But also like there was just that feeling of like, this is kind of like a safe, comfortable place. And I think what I would do differently as a teacher now that I didn't know then, which is maybe what you've come to is even the worst kid at that point is probably still forming somehow, you know, they're not, they're not fully baked and they're not, you know, there's still a chance to be able to like influence them no matter how small to maybe be a, slightly less of a shithead if that's the direction they're headed in and and maybe you're able to foster that with them thank you for all of the super nice things about the <laughs> past and present and we were no, told that you can't take a compliment or praise <laughs> no. no it's very it's very it was very very nice it's nice to hear i i don't i but i don't to me it doesn't necessarily feel maybe just because like there are some things that I like I feel kind of comfortable for the most part in my own skin and feel comfortable like, you know, being wrong about stuff and making mistakes. And and so maybe that helps to sort of like build a culture where, you know, hopefully like I really feel like learning learning happens when you make mistakes and then you get kind of redirected a little bit and then you try it out and you make mistakes, but you're kind of redirected a little bit then again. And so maybe maybe that's a component of it. That's sort of a comfort of you know being an idiot and making mistakes, and um, that that you know maybe I, I don't know. I, it's not. It as, sounds like just being human to me. Right? Yeah, and, <laughs> so but maybe that's, that's, that's a good thing. thing. But maybe that is a thing that's like that's important about kind of building a, a class. But I but I, I in thinking of class culture, I'm sure that that's not that that's not the experience for everybody. That like. I'm sure there are kids who, you know, whether it's that they're mismatched in a class or whatever, or for whatever social things that they're going through, that there must be there's students who I'm sure don't feel as uh, kind of included in, you know, with their peers or in a particular class. Um, you yeah, know, but, as, but just as, you, you can pat yourself on the back because you can just say that kid, you know, it's like every they're fifth doing year. It wrong. And no, it's that's just someone related to Scott Biden. <laughs> Bill, I hate to tell you, but I think if we go back far enough, we're all related to stuff. Oh, no, no, please. <laughs> well, Adam, if you weren't teaching, what do you think you would have done? Oh, man. I don't know. I really, I, I don't know. Do you think you'd like anything you don't do or figure out a way to like it? You know, I think so much of it is probably dictated by the people that you do it with. Like, yeah, I think I could probably do almost any, like, I worked at a, uh, at a coffee roasting company for, not that long, but like it was great. It was super fun. Like we'd spend half the Did day you like slave free beans. Oh, they gave <laughs> us I that was I was the best smelling that I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And yeah, that you could make like it, it was so the quantities were so huge that they'd be like, Yeah, take take a pound of coffee home. Why not? And it was like really great coffee. And so we would spend the 
mornings like packaging it up and then you spend the day driving around with a partner like delivering them to the different food stands and different restaurants and things it was super fun and like i would say like I don't. I don't know if the work was that, except, but it was. You know, they were nice people, and it was. It was. It I was think a, you just have a really positive outlook, Adam. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> I definitely don't. I. The only negative thing you've had to say is about Scott Bybee. That's a very low bar. <laughs> and you and you and you pulled that out of him. Teaching the youth of America. Are you hopeful for the next generation? Honestly. <laughs> oh God. No. <laughs> But it's not it's not a it's not a generational like quality component. But I do think that there 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 are a lot of problems that uh, I think are going to be really difficult to solve. I think that humans and humans' lifespan is like just short enough that it's probably hard for them to you know make the changes that are necessary, the sacrifices that are necessary to make things better for people that they haven't met yet. And so um on that note, we are all doomed. <laughs> Perfect place to end. Well, I was gonna ask how the physics of EMP attacks work, but I'm gonna leave that. <laughs> we keep going throwbacks here. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on though. I, I just wanna I wanna try to spin that around because you also said when you're in college, what you were taking was like so caveman back then and now it's so far ahead don't you think the magic of chemistry and physics can fix this i mean i i think that that's sort of like the that's the i don't even know if dichotomy is the right word there but i do think that 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 kind of like summarizes the mind blowingness but also like the mind destroyingness of like how can humans be this smart and know this thing and collaborate this well to solve these amazing problems and yet on the same time like kill other people on purpose and and so it's like yeah i don't i don't know i hope this sounds like the plot to weird science now but it, it does it's like <laughs> we're I like boogers thing- in the closet <laughs> in the closet isn't that Booger, like the guy who plays Booger from Resident Nerds, like shows up at the end? And Curtis he's like, Armstrong? Are you talking about real genius? Real genius. Sorry, not weird <laughs> yes. science. Weird science is the one where they put the girl in the machine. <laughs> yes, real yeah, genius. That's not, that's not Booger. That's you, Laszlo. You sound, you sound like Laszlo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I hope. It's not I a bad place that. to be. He had like a really pretty woman with him. <laughs> At the end, that's because he's he's number one, I think. <laughs> that's it, kids. The gig is up. The cops are here and your mom is going jails, hospitals, and all your friends' houses wondering where you've been. Tune in next week for another fascinating, mesmerizing, and absolutely unmissable episode. And be sure to get on the list and follow the boys on social media at Killed by Desk. This podcast is produced by Jesse Cannon. And if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help us out with some gas money and to get us to the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com.